You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with Something Rather Than Nothing. And uh, have a guest here, Amy Guidry, who... Um, well, I just adore her paintings and um, I'm really excited to be able to, to chat with you, Amy, uh, welcoming you from uh, Louisiana. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Ken. I'm, uh, I'm really honored to be here. Yeah, thank, th- thanks. I appreciate your time. Um, Amy, were you an artist when you were born? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was pretty much destined to be. Um, I've... Uh, been drawing and you know painting to some extent uh, ever since I could remember um, I mean I obviously my my talent wasn't what it is now but uh, I was always creating uh, I mean I, it had to be before I was even in kindergarten and uh, I come from a family of artists and so that was something that just I I had this worldview that everyone would draw and create. And so I didn't understand anything otherwise. And, uh, you know, my mom could draw, she would, she would do, uh, drawings for my room sometimes. And, uh, my brother, he's a bit younger than I am, but he eventually started to draw. He wasn't into it as much as I was. And, uh, I didn't understand that I would kind of force him to draw, even though he didn't want to, (laughs) but, um, you know, we, we have a lot of artists and, and writers in the family. Uh, you know, I had done my ancestry and, you know, I, I knew that my grandfather would write uh, just recreationally, but his father was a uh, newspaper editor and journalist, as was his father. And, uh, uh, you know, he had also written a book that, that would have been my great, great grandfather, um, Frank Norcross. Uh, he wrote a book about shoes, like shoemaking, and um, it was called The Swamps of New York. But then, uh, you know, also on, on my grandfather's side, uh, you know, my my cousin, Eleanor Norcross, you know, is who's a, I mean, I, I would say she's kind of famous, but it, it, it's more like, a, you know, under the radar kind of, kind of fame. Um, but she was friends with Mary Cassatt. She lived in Paris. She painted, um, but her father didn't think that it was appropriate for women to be business people. And so he wanted her to just paint and, and he would support her to do that. But he didn't think that she should get into selling her work. Um, and then <laughs> most people don't know this, but, uh, Emily Dickinson is apparently my cousin as well. Um, so uh, we, it's just in, in, in my blood, you know, like I said, it's something that I've always done ever since I was little and it was all I ever knew how to do. And uh, it just, you know, it, it took up all, all my time. That's all I did. Uh, I would draw so much that I would go through like an entire package of, of typing paper um, in a very short period of time. And my my mom she said that she threw out so much stuff because you know i'd create so much and she she couldn't store it all um <laughs> but uh, but yeah that that was i mean that was my childhood right there you know um 
So yeah. yes, yes, I was definitely yeah. born an artist. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I, I uh, read a little bit about that background, and I'm I'm originally from Rhode Island, so I noticed that um, there was some with Eleanor up in uh, outside of Boston and Fitchburg, yeah. And of course, Emily Dickinson. Uh, uh, I learned more about her when I went to the University of Massachusetts in Amherst. Oh, okay. Which, yeah, which was her town, Amherst, and uh, um, just wow, just incredible, incredible, uh, incredible poet. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Amy, and and and, and this has to do with um, with with your art uh, and your mm-hmm. painting. Um, I. And in, in, in I'm not going to try to describe your painting. It's always a trouble, like <laughs> with audio. <laughs> but but um, what I love are it, it, it's a it's a fan it's a fantastic world of 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 of, of animals in nature, and there's um, juxtaposition and there's this kind of high these hybrid components to it. Uh, all that sounds blah. What I want to <laughs> ask you, what I want to ask you, Amy, is what do you what do you think your art is? And what do, what do, what do other people think your art is? Um, interesting question. Uh, I, I actually think that the answer is pretty similar because uh, just from what I hear from other people when they view my art, they really do get it. Um, you know, and some of them can actually hit the nail on the head. But uh, you know, obviously, like you said, my 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 art is very uh, nature oriented and it always has been again, back when I was little and, um, it's, it's a surrealist approach to the issues that are going on. Um, well that have been going on, but continue today, uh, with our environment, um, you know, with animal welfare, with ecology and, uh, biodiversity and, um, you know, ultimately, my my goal is to educate people of these issues and to provide them with a visual that, you know, y- you don't always get that when you read an article about, let's say, the decline of a population of of you know certain birds. Um, but I can provide sort of a through the looking glass visual. Uh, you know, reflection of of what's going on today. And, you know, I remember hearing in an interview, I think it was with Terry Gross, uh, and they were saying that, you know, science fiction will present like this dystopian future that actually inspires people to want to do something to keep that from happening. And I I feel like visual art can do the same thing. And, um, you know, that's not to say that that my work is all doom and gloom. It's just to raise awareness. And um, some paintings may just be uh, more like portraits of animals. And like you said, they show some hybrid elements. You may see a human eye or maybe there's a human torso combined with, you know, a, another animal. Um, and, and this just speaks to the connection that we have as human animals to the rest of the animal kingdom. And, sorry, I think that in order for us to care about these things, we we have to find that connection. I I hate to sound narcissistic there, but I feel like humans uh, 
care more about animals in the natural world when they can see themselves in it and when uh, you know we attribute more anthropomorphic qualities to animals suddenly we relate to them better and and uh, I think that just gives them more significance to us and it, and it makes us care and it makes us want to keep them around and and not let them go endangered or going extinct um, so ultimately, that's what I'm trying to do with my work. And, uh, you know, like you said, it, it's kind of hard to convey audibly. And, and really, even if, if someone just asks me, I mean, I really don't have a good elevator pitch, so to speak. Um, I usually just get a postcard out and show them a visual. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, that being said, just to uh, give people a visual, my work is very detail-oriented, I am, um, I, I tend to work on a, on a smaller scale, although some of my pieces, I, I consider them medium size, but some might consider small, you know, like an eight by 10, for example, but, um, they're very complex, uh, you know, usually very complex backgrounds and, and, uh, whereas some artists, they may blur out things in the background. I tend to bring in as much detail as possible so that, you're just completely immersed in this world. And I, I like for people to have to get a closer look um, because I, I, it's crushing as an artist to see when people just walk by and if they just notice something on the wall, but then they, they just kind of keep going, they may look at it for a second or two. I really love it when I can draw people in because I feel like that gives them the opportunity to have this internal dialogue with the painting and really uh, learn more about it. And, and it'll make them want to learn more as well because um, I love it when people see a piece and, and I happen to be there and they ask me questions and we can really dive in you know, to learn more about it. And, um, you know, hopefully I can leave them with something that inspires them. And, you know, they walk away from that experience. And it, it wasn't just that they went to a gallery or a museum, they, they actually learned something and it inspired them to want to help polar bears or, uh, you know, to learn to recycle more and, and reduce their waste output. Um, you know, all, all of these things, to me feel like I, I did my job, you know, if my painting yeah. can, can speak to people on that level, not just be a, a pretty thing to look at. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciate your comments, um, uh, around, around your art and, and I, I personally appreciate, um, uh, the respect and, and, and dignity towards animals. I've been a vegan for 26 years. And, oh, uh, oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, which is more than half my life. And so um, I love I love when art um, disrupts or causes or creates that space for the consideration. And um, I, I know uh, and I and I see that in your and the ability to um, to build empathy or or simply wonder, wonder about right. what, what's out there. So let me ask you something, Amy. Um, does art your art disrupts, but does art have to disrupt or do you think it should disrupt? Um, art doesn't have to disrupt per se. Um, but I'll say this, uh, it should make you feel something, 
whether you love it or you hate it, it should make you feel something because then it's done its job. If you feel absolutely nothing, then it's hotel art, you know? Um, so there are all kinds of types of art. There's so many genres of art and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that an Alexander McQueen dress is, you know, the same as uh, a Picasso. Um, I'm sure some people may disagree with me there, but, but, um, you know, they're, they're just different types of art. They have different purposes, but, um, you know, they, they both make you feel something. And, uh, there are those who hate Picasso and there are who, there are those who love his work. And then, you know, the same could be said about Alexander McQueen's work, but, um, Either way, they're both art. Uh, it, it's, it's not something that's uh, just been mass produced, you know, whether it's uh, a print that hangs in a hotel or just a, a, a T-shirt, you know, in, in a, you know, a superstore. <laughs> we won't mention names. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, there's, there's a difference. The, the, you feel something. There's emotion. It, it. Uh, hones in on your personal experience and that's going to be individual for everyone obviously but uh, it's it's their experience it's it's their reality and um, it taps into something with them and and like I said that could be good or bad but either way it's touched them in 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 some way it's elicited a response and and that's what art should do um, otherwise it, it it falls on deaf ears it you know, it, it's art is supposed to say something and uh, you may not agree with it, but it, it should say something. It should have a message to it. Um, you know, art is all about expressing ideas and and communication. So, you know, anything less than that, you know, what what's it really doing? What what would its purpose be? Yeah. And, and, and thank you. Amy, I, w I wanted to ask a, a, a different question. Um, living up in the Pacific Northwest as I do, it's had a significant impact on the art I create or simply um, being in Portland, being around a bunch of artists, um, expression, space, mm -hmm. uh, a lot and a lot of it. Um, I've been to Louis Louisiana. I love it. Um, I haven't been all around the state, but... Um, uh, when I was in New Orleans, it was I, I, I adored the unique American cultures. Like, I, I don't think I could find that anywhere else. And it was so artistic. Mm -hmm. So there, there was a lot to it. Um, now, I wanted to know if, if you could just convey, does, does, does the, the place where you, where you live and reside, does it bring in unique elements to, to your art? Um, yes and no. Uh Obviously, I'm dealing with issues that affect the entire world, so there's that aspect. But um, I, I am, you know, as you mentioned, the the whole vegan thing. Um, I've been a vegan for 22 years now, and uh, you know, I live in Louisiana, and this is—I mean, it, it, the state is known as sportsman's paradise. So right, you know, right. there's there's that part. Um, that, that drives my, uh, concern for animals. And, uh, you know, as a vegan, I'm 
uh, I mean, I, I really don't know many vegans here. Um, you know, so there, there's that, but, uh, I, I do see where people, um, they put a lot of emphasis on food here and that's great, but I think that we should be looking at more plant-based options, uh, just from an ecological standpoint, uh, you know, regardless of, you know, my feelings towards cute fuzzy animals, uh, you know, it's imperative right now that we live more sustainably, um, and, and, and we all have to do our part. So, eating less meat would definitely help. Um, and not that I want to get into propaganda here, but just, uh, you know, realistically speaking though, we do have to, uh, work towards more sustainable future and, uh, we can't just eat as much meat as, as we do. So that plays into my work. And I try to emphasize not, not just here, but on a, on a world scale, uh, you know, what our consumption is doing concerning habitat loss, uh, concerning rainforest uh, destruction, and and what that ultimately does concerning, you know, the sea level rise and global warming. Um, so all of that is, is important, not just to Louisianians, but, um, you know, I, I, I did a piece called Pervasive, and it's got these pelicans whose wings are morphing into black smoke and uh you know the the whole background is it, it's meant to look like the whole sky is on fire basically a lot of uh rusty uh tones and 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 just clouds of smoke and and then you see uh, a line of fire along the you know the water and that was in response to you know the the Gulf oil spill, um, you know, I, that's as local as my work has ever hit, but, um, you know, it's something that has become, hence the title pervasive. It's hitting, uh, species from, from all over now, because as they migrate, uh, you know, these, these chemicals and toxins that have stayed in their bodies are now being, uh, handed down to their offspring. And, you know, that, just spreads, uh, you know, so on and so forth as, as they migrate and, um, you know, bring these toxins to, to others that were not anywhere near the, the spill. Um, so that of course is something that, that still resonates with me. Um, it's, it's painful to know that, uh, we've made mistakes that still have an impact, uh, on, on our wildlife. Um, and, and that's something that I'm trying to get people to think about and consider, uh, the ramifications of all of our actions. We, we want to do so many things that are convenient for ourselves and, uh, you know, make things bigger and better and faster. We want better technology, uh, and we want everything now. And we don't think of, you know, the impact that that has on our planet. You know, we can't, be so greedy. We can't have everything, um, you know, and, and not in the way that it's being done now, you know, stuff that's made, uh, to be cheap and, and quick and easy, uh, you know, isn't necessarily the solution. Sometimes it has to be the more expensive, uh, you know, safer way to make something, produce something that, that doesn't pollute, uh, that doesn't require, 
you know, cutting down rainforests or killing endangered animals in order to get at it, uh, you know, something that's more sustainable, um, that uses uh, sustainable energy. You know, sometimes those things can be pricey at, at first, but um, it's well worth it to make that investment now because we're definitely going to pay for it. I mean, we're paying for it now to an extent, but it, it's only going to get worse if we keep it up. Yeah. And, and, and thank you on that, too, um, because although I haven't got very far uh, into it in, in the course of the podcast, environmental concerns are are, are deep and important. And I recall even the um, some of the artworks of Christopher St. John, who I've had a get, as a guest who, who used the animals and I don't want to say use, you know, as material, right. um, like of uh, the pictures and um, to 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 create awareness. Um, I wanted to mention some hard statistics, Amy, that I just plugged in uh, on some of your points with uh, if, if you take you and I as vegans, we've been vegan for 48 years combined. I used a vegan calculator and between us, we've saved uh, 19.272 million gallons of water. Wow. We've saved 700,800 uh, pounds of grain. Wow. We've, we've saved half a million square feet of forest. This is me and you. Yeah, that's amazing. 350,000 pounds of CO2 uh, mm. not produced and 17,500 animals not consumed. Wow. So it's a resource somebody handed to me one time, the vegan calculator, as far as the material impacts of just saying i'm going to consume plants mm -hmm. in, instead of animals and i i find when i plug that in it's encouraging because all it, it's just a material way of saying hey that's not bad <laughs> right right yeah um, um yeah. go ahead sometimes you need you need to see the the numbers you know it, it's easy to think about you know as just this lofty ideal but uh you know, when you realize the impact that, you know, not just one, but two people have, I mean, that's incredible. Uh, especially when, you know, sometimes I hear people who say, ah, vegans can't make a difference. <laughs> well, those I mean, numbers, I think I mean, that's I proof in the pudding water. right there. Well, I think just, I think just water. I mean, I mean, oh, obviously like, all those yeah. statistics are fantastic. Animals save them, all that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Just the question of water and, um, and efficiency. So, right. uh, a different question for you, Amy, uh, conceptual, uh, what or who made you who you are? Who? <laughs> That's a very complex question. Uh, cause there's a lot to it. Um, uh, first off, uh, something that I realized, uh, really not that long ago, I, I used to think that, you know, because I, I've always done art that that's, you know, that was the driving force is that I, I just have to be creative because I love art. It's, it's what I've always known and done. And, you know, I, I used to equate it to, if you took my art away, that would be like taking away my oxygen. And, uh, it wasn't until that, you know, not, not that long ago that I realized that it's not really the art that, that makes me who I am. It's nature. Uh, because, you know, I touched on this before when I said that, you know, I've always drawn animals and uh, it's from from day one when I was born, my my dog, Juno, she was my life. And 
that dog was my best friend, like more so than any kid at school because she was just uh, she was just loyal. She was incredibly sweet and kind, and uh, she was a very quiet dog. But I, I don't know. She just had like this wise, all-knowing sort of uh, uh, energy about her. And I would hang out with my dog, and and we would be out in you know, the, the woods next door, you know, we'd be out in the ditch. I'd be, you know, checking out, uh, all the little tadpoles and minnows. And, um, you know, I would befriend the dragonflies. I actually had one that was kind of trained. I would see him like every day, uh, until the winter came. And then sadly I didn't see him anymore. Wait a but, second. Um, you trained, you, you trained a dragonfly. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently it's not that unique. Uh, I thought it was special, but <laughs> apparently, you know, if, if you, if you're slow enough, you could just slide your finger up underneath them and, you know, they'll just kind of hang out there. And, uh, I, I did this every day and it became a ritual and you know i kind of knew to find him on the porch swing and uh you know he was like all right you're cool i i know (laughs) you now um i named him oso i have no idea where that name came from i was a little kid (laughs) i like it but uh oso so anyway oso and juno (laughs) were, were uh big inspiration for me um i just i i always cared about nature and i was always fascinated by it and I was I was always drawing animals, and you know I I guess I was around ten that I had decided um, because I, I I had been reading a lot of animal books I would I would check out animal books in the library all the time and so I learned about um, you know clubbing seals for fur and. Uh, you know, I, I, I knew that there were endangered animals and I, I knew that some went extinct. And, and so I thought I'm going to make a book and I'm going to, I'm going to include all the animals of the world. <laughs> Didn't realize how many species sure. there were. <laughs> and I thought I'm, I'm going to make people care about these animals. I'm going to make the most beautiful art and they're going to love these animals as much as I do. And they're going to want to save them. And so that was my goal, you know, just as a child. And uh, it really isn't that different from today. I, I mean, I, I tell people this every now and then uh, because I, I just hope that, you know, my work will touch them enough to, to make them care and make them want to do better and, um, you know, do better by nature. And I'm, actually starting to forget your question now <laughs> no, no oh what 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 maybe so this isn't it's a hazard of this show i mean if it's something <laughs> rather than nothing it's a hazard of this show and it's okay it's okay we're, we're uh, just talking about who like specifically who and who or what made you who you are yeah yeah so so really i i think it was just nature that you know molded me to make it me care about it so much and and that's been my my focus all this time even with my art that's um it's it's what gets me out of bed every day you know um i can't think of of creating anything other than that i mean i I have tons of ideas and tons of concepts that i want to cover with my work and uh you know, my, my work is more time consuming than, than I can possibly, you know, turn them out. But, um, you know, I, 
I, I have no shortage of ideas for what I want to paint. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. Um, you know, sadly, but, uh, this is just something that has always mattered to me. Um, and you know, I've, I've always been kind of a driven person. Um, you know, I, I didn't have an easy childhood. That's probably about as specific as I'm going to get, but you know, it, it just kind of taught me to persevere and, um, you know, no one's ever been able to call me a quitter. And so I think that I'm the right person for this kind of job, you know, yeah. um, because one art is just a hard career anyway. Um, you know, you're, you're going to face a lot of rejection, you know, at, at first, I mean, it's, it's going to be just one after another. Um, so that, that takes a lot of drive and, and some inner strength and, um, you know, and, and then the other reason is because, uh, you know, nature needs someone who won't quit on it. And, and, and I certainly won't, you know, um, I'm going to continue to talk about the importance of nature for as long as I live, because it's always mattered to me and, and that's not going to go away. That won't ever change. Um, it's just something that, you know, like I said, I, I grew up with it. I grew up with animals from day one. It's all I've ever known. So, uh, that's, that's my yeah. mission, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's what drives me and that's what makes me who I am. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I, and, and I want to just, um, just recently, um, on the show, I've had, um, a guest, uh, Zoe Presley did, um, forest, you know, forest bathing forest, the, the, the concept of going into the forest or having a connection to nature. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, um, a more harmonious or mindful connection to it. Um, it can even be as blunt as, you know, going into the forest, walking through the forest, smelling what's there, seeing what's there, hearing those sounds. But also recently I did one with, with, with the oceans, um, with uh, Elizabeth Beston in, in, in England and just, you know, connecting to what is around us, a little bit of space to notice it, or in your case, you know, with, with your paintings, um, to, to, to put, put eyes or to put our ears to it. Um, there's a, I, I see a very similar dynamic going on. Just like, just notice. Um, we're talking with Amy Guidry, uh, a painter, uh, artist, uh, based in Louisiana. Amy, I got the, I got the big question, uh, for you. Um, mm -hmm. why is there something rather than nothing? <laughs> um, there's always going to be something rather than nothing because, um, you know, even though we don't always see them, there are so many minute infinitesimal, uh, cells and, and particles and organisms that are always, uh, creating something that it may take time for us to eventually notice it, but, they're always creating, they're always uh, evolving, and they're always uh, shaping everything around us um, and within us even, you know, our, our own cells, you know, they're, they're always, uh, you know, replicating and, you know, unfortunately mutating, and sometimes that can go awry. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, even our, our ecosystem, uh, you know, it, there's bacteria that are feeding plants that are, that are feeding 
insects that are feeding birds that are feeding mammals and so on and so forth. And um, there are all these itty bitty little uh, uh, actions um, that are going on around us. And, and so even though you may not see them or hear them, um, they're always happening. They, they exist, um, you know, and, and even at that, like I, you know, I, 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 I looked into some stuff like, um, you know, Stephen Hawking said that even like in a vacuum state, uh, you know, there are virtual particles and there are space time bubbles that will just spontaneously appear, um, you know, and there's always going to be some kind of instability uh, that will make these reactions occur. Yeah. Um, so the, there's always going to be something, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's I, there wouldn't be nothing. We wouldn't be having this conversation now, I guess, if there were nothing. Um, you know, n none of this would happen. None of none of this would exist. Uh, you know, there, there's always something, even though we can't explain exactly where that came from. Uh, there's always something. Um, yeah. You know, th like I said, it, they're happening all around us at any given moment, and um, we don't see them. We can't feel them, hear them, touch them, but but they're always they're there, and and it ends up having a major impact and, uh, you know, bringing back home, back home that, you know, relates to all of our actions today, you know, everything that, that we choose, you know, to, to eat, to use, to, to toss out, um, all of these things have an impact. And, and even though we don't see it, eventually, you know, it, it has this domino effect and, and eventually we feel that. And, um, you know, hopefully we do something about it before it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I appreciate, um, I appreciate what, what you have to say. And I think one of the big things, um, th that I noticed, um, uh, with your works is, that they immediately pull you in. Um, and so that isn't easy to do as an artist. Um, mm -hmm. And I wanted to, actually, I want to ask you another question, Amy, before getting into kind of letting the readers know where to find your uh, listeners, where to find your stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I was, I was very, I was very interested in um, your use of surrealism. Um, a lot of people know, you know, know of surrealism or they think of Dali and things like that. Um, right. but there's a lot of complex notions of surrealism that the popular understanding doesn't, don't, doesn't get at. I was wondering if you could give, if you just explain how you use it or how you think it's effective or what surrealism is for you. Mm -hmm. Um, well, Initially, when I started this series, you know, I would sometimes look at elements from dreams um, and and also just like with free association exercises where I just kind of think of a concept and then just let my mind go and just whatever imagery would come to mind, um, you know, which is usually just fragments of something. But uh, I, I used to use all of these these little hazy 
obscure bits of visual information and uh, and and turn them into paintings and and try to fit them into something bigger. And um, I I do use that to an extent, but um, you know now I I, I guess I I um, rely more on a lot of just brainstorming and just writing things down. Um, you know, I, I look at a lot of news articles and uh, I'll just write down facts and figures, you know, kind of like what you were doing earlier. And I'll, I'll just take a concept like that and I'll, I'll just start writing down anything that has to do with it. You know, it could be sim- as simple as something like ice, water, melt, you know, uh, yeah. and I'll, I'll just let it go from there. And um, I'll, I'll start uh, thumbnail sketches usually just, you know, a, a little something, not, not the entire, um, idea worked out, but, but just kind of like the, the main subject and, um, I'll take it from there and I might, you know, create like 50 thumbnail sketches around this same concept. And, and, um, they may be just slight variants from, from each other, just because I want to include, you know, uh, one other little tiny thing or, or one little tiny change to it. But, um, uh, that's how I, I approach my work. But um, surrealism is something that I've always been interested in. Even as a kid, um, I just remember being struck by uh, any kind of imagery that was, you know, uh, more fantastic and surreal, uh, even whimsical. But, um, you know, I was always drawn to uh, Dali and Magritte and, um, Kahlo, uh, you know, even, um, Botticelli's Birth of Venus, um, that was probably one of the earliest pieces I'd ever seen as a child. And, um, it was just such an amazing, I mean, I, I didn't see the original. I, I, I saw a print of it in, an uh, antique store, but, uh, it literally stopped me in my tracks because yeah. it, you know, this, you know, mythology and, um, you know, that, that whimsical element, uh, magical, I was always interested in that. And, um, I've always naturally been interested in psychology, uh, you know, which surrealism was very much influenced by Freud and, um, psychoanalysis and, you know, the id, the ego, the superego and, you know, um, kind of translating these inner workings of the human mind onto canvas. And um, I've taken that, but I've also applied how we uh, relate to nature, how we see ourselves in nature, um, you know, even even uh, seeing ourselves through the eyes of animals. Um, so I've I've applied that to my work, but using surrealism as the vehicle to get that across and um, getting back to what I was saying before about like the, you know, reflection of our world, uh, surrealism allows me to illustrate concepts that, you know, are fairly abstract to a lot of people, depending on where you live. I mean, if you, uh, you know, live in an area where you're suffering from drought and flood and famine and whatnot, you know, that's a very different reality. But, um, you know, f- for a lot of people, uh, 
these concepts, they, they can't re really visualize them. And I can use surrealism to relay that to them, give them a visual, and uh, hopefully inspire them to do something about it then. Yeah. There's some... Um... One thing I wanted to mention to you, Amy, um, is, is as far as um, a, a, a work of art. Uh, th th when you mentioned, I wanted to, when you mentioned that the the Botticelli that 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 just kind of stopped you. Um, mm -hmm. I had that experience with Las Meninas with uh, by Velasquez, and I got into painting because of that painting. I think because, well, it's an incredible painting, but there's so much philosophy and who's the painter, who are the viewer, what are they looking at? There's so many questions that have been taken up with that. Um, you know, where a painting just opens up that universe, like you said, the, um, with the Venus. Um, mm -hmm. One other thing I wanted to mention, um, because it's, it's actually my favorite uh, graphic novel, and I think it was kind of written for you, and they're translating it, and they're going to make a show out of it on Netflix in June called Sweet Tooth. Oh, I'm not um, familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, it's by Jeff Lemire, a con Canadian writer. And um, the graphic novel or the series Sweet Tooth is, is the best I've ever read. And mm. also, um, it's um, I don't I want to give anything away, uh, but it is about the environment. It is about animals and it is about post-apocalyptic. Okay. And so um, that's coming out. So I recommend it to everybody. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Amy, I, I swear, I think they kind of wrote it for you so take a look <laughs> um uh, amy gidry uh amy i was wondering if you could uh point the listeners to where to find your work see them mm -hmm. whether it's physical in person if that's uh, appropriate or applicable online yeah yeah yes. um right now they can see i i have a piece in a group show at modern eden gallery in san francisco um as part of their actual size show which is going on now through june 5th um in which all the subjects are, are animal subjects painted at actual size. Um, and then uh, I'll, I'll be uh, doing some work for Corey Helford Gallery. Um, that'll be coming up in August. Um, that's, I think that's about all I can share right now about yeah, that, that one. But, and that's a wonderful gallery too. Yeah, in Los Angeles. And... Um, and online, uh, you can find my work um, at uh, amygidry.com. Um, and uh, also, if you happen to be in Louisiana, um, just as uh, one of their um, exhibiting artists, um, I have work at Lemieux Galleries in New Orleans on Julia Street. Um, so you can always see something of mine there. Um, and I think that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 thank you. Um, and, uh, I, as I mentioned to you, I followed your, your work, uh, uh, for some time. And, um, I personally really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you about it. I've learned, I've learned a lot. Um, and even in particular, I've been just wondering about more about surrealism because it's popped up in the show. Um, mm. but also, you know, just down to it, you know, you know, the earth, right. Um, right. Our, our use of the, uh, of, of, of the earth, which is, you know, a big concept, but it's also probably pretty simple at the, at, at the, at its basis. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I wanted to thank you for spending the time um, on on the podcast. I really enjoyed chatting with you, and gosh, I can't wait to see uh, I can't wait to see what else you create. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ken. I really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, I, I I really love having these opportunities um, to explain my work and and give people a little more insight. Um, you know, because like like you said, it's an important topic and. Um, you know, it, it's really simple when it comes down to it. You know, we all just need to be aware. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank really you so much, Ken. This is Something Rather Than Nothing. 